This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the my cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about Pop-Tarts. Pop-Tarts. pop Yes. Yeah, not a sponsor. <laughs> not a sponsor. Nope. No. Uh, any reason this one was on your mind, Lauren? Oh, it could have been anything. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I love that y'all are getting to experience like my slow descent into <laughs> complete chaos um uh, yeah it maybe maybe the last time that i was searching for brands um and i and 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 and, and we landed on pop rocks mm-hmm. at large there there was yeah i was like ooh, different quest different day and now mm-hmm. is the day now is the day and this one as with many of these brand episodes is super fun oh yeah it goes all over the place. Um, it's just, uh, they're, they're always such a delight to research. They are. And then I feel, and then I feel weird about, about feeling so like, like enthused about a commercial product. Yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh man, capitalism, so good. <laughs> Tis the season, Lauren. Heartwarming. Oh. well it's just so interesting though like there's something that is fascinating to me about someone 
a company, an entity, or just people who work for that company who are so into a product, who think so deeply about all of the marketing and all of the flavors and all of these different ideas that they tried, which, by the way, we're going to discuss. They tried a lot of different things with Pop-Tarts. They did. It's just really fascinating (laughs) to me. (laughs) Yeah, that like Pop-Tarts, of all things, like... Mm -hmm. Something that that is to us, um, or I mean to, to to me anyway, so kind of like back of mind and and benign. Yes, like it's just not really like I, I'm never really thinking about pop tarts. Mm. Well, we have a great Jerry Seinfeld fact for you at the end of this one <laughs> about that. But uh, yeah, I don't. I think I've talked about this before. I don't really. I don't dislike Pop-Tarts, but they're definitely not my thing. They've never been my thing except hmm. for a very, very brief period in middle school, I think. Oh, middle school. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to have them when I was growing up. Um, it was one of those, like, banned processed mm. foods that my dad was like, no. Um, <laughs> like, jarred cheese Whiz, yes. Pop-Tarts, yeah. ridiculous. Uh, which meant that when I went to college, I was like, okay, I need to try all of these. Um, and I did have like a, like a little bit, like a couple of years in college where I think the brown sugar and cinnamon non-frosted Pop-Tarts, mm. those were my thing. And I don't think I ever he- heated them up. Just, yeah. I didn't either, but I wish I had. I think I would have liked them more if I had. I, there was a kind of, I, I always found that, that there was something about that, like, sort of chemical flavor that you get Mm. from them that sort of intensifies when they're warm. And I didn't appreciate that. So. Okay. Well, it's interesting because I, when I went through my Pop-Tart phase, strawberry was definitely my favorite. Okay. Um, but I ate them cold. I went through a much bigger toaster strudel phase. Oh, right. Which is hilarious because I read so many articles about, like, why have no other products been able to compete with Pop-Tarts? And toaster strudel was a big one where they're like, no, it didn't, didn't succeed. Never took <laughs> off. Yeah. No, but when I got to college, um, I, a lot of people I met loved Pop-Tarts. And I loved hearing them rate the flavors and like, do you heat it up or do you not heat it up? How do you cut it? Do you not cut it? Oh, like, yeah. Those preferences, I just very much enjoyed hearing about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. And people do love them. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, I guess, brings us to our question. I suppose so. Pop-Tarts. <laughs> What are they? Well, uh, Pop-Tarts are a brand of sweet prepackaged pastries um, that are hypothetically meant to be warmed in a uh, pop-up toaster before eating as a uh, breakfast food or a snack. Uh, they come in a number of flavors and formats, but generally what you're, you're, you're talking about when you're talking about Pop-Tart is a, is a flat rectangle of um, like firm to crumbly uh, cookie-type dough. Like 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 biscuit type dough maybe um sort of s- small like a like like three by five inches that's a scant eight by thirteen centimeters um uh, and there's like a thin layer of jam type filling sandwiched in 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 the middle um and maybe a layer of stiff icing uh, topping one side for extra sweetness and or flavor and or visual interest uh, they come packaged two in a little foiled plastic envelope. 
they do not necessarily taste like food. Um, but they're sweet and and filling and delicious in a in a kind of sciency way. Um, they're like a okay. Have have y'all seen those those medieval illustrations of animals where it's clear that the illustrator had never seen a, a lion or you know whatever it is that it was in person, but you know someone had given them the general concept and like they did their best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pop tarts are like that, but with pastries. Um, <laughs> they're. Almost entirely unlike hand pies. But the general concept is there and, like, bless them, they're enthusiastic. Yeah. Once again, on point, I agree. I think, like, (laughs) I I can't wait till we get to some of the stuff in the history section. But a lot of people who love Pop-Tarts love them almost because of this. It's like they're so, like enthusiastic, bright, and so different from the rest of the breakfast landscape when they came out. Certainly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, the Kellogg Company manufactures Pop-Tarts. Um, they have a dizzying array of flavors, <laughs> historically speaking. Um, r- right now, the ones that are featured on the brand's website. Um, uh, okay, all right. Uh, uh, first, I guess, uh, the, the, the crusts come in generally two formats, either like a plain... Uh, lightly salted pastry crust, um, uh, like like sweet, like like tiny bit of salt in there, um, or like a cocoa pastry crust. Yeah, uh, fillings uh, currently include the fruit related category: um, uh, strawberry and blueberry, which come either unfrosted or frosted. Then, frosted cherry, frosted grape, frosted raspberry, and frosted wild, delicious wild berry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't know what that is, but... I, (laughs) you know, it's wild delicious. It is. (laughs) There are also um, simply frosted harvest strawberry Pop-Tarts, which are made without artificial dyes, and they use regular corn syrup instead of high fructose corn syrup. Yeah. Uh, So much more natural. Um, (laughs) And they are made with non-GMO ingredients. Not that there's anything wrong with GMO as a category, but that's a different episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, all right, so those are the fruit-related flavors. Then we've got, like, the more straightforwardly dessert-related flavors, um, including the aforementioned brown sugar and cinnamon, uh, which also come frosted or unfrosted. Then uh, frosted chocolate chip, frosted chocolate fudge, frosted confetti cupcake, frosted cookies and cream, frosted hot fudge sundae. Frosted s'mores, ego frosted maple flavor. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just think it. Yeah. Uh, and snickerdoodle, which is unfrosted but does have a sprinkle of um, cinnamon sugar on top. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Okay. There are also uh, some some like limited seasonal flavors uh, right now. Frosted gingerbread is out, and I've also seen a frosted sugar cookie. And I am so confused about cookie flavored pastry. Like, what is yeah. that combination of words? Just doesn't. Because, <sighs> like, I understand a s'mores filling, right? Like there's right. like marshmallow, there's like chocolate stuff. Like okay, like that's like that's, but but what is, what is it filled with? 
listeners, you got to let us know. (laughs) (laughs) I did read a couple of like tasting notes. Okay. That people would taste all of the current flavors of Pop-Tarts and rate them. And it was fascinating. Um, S'mores frequently came out on top. Uh, So, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Listeners. (laughs) Again. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yep, yep. Um, they, they also, uh, the brand also makes, uh, Pop-Tarts Bites, which are little bags of bite-sized pastries. Um, and they come in a few of the popular flavors, uh, plus also frosted strawberry banana. Yeah. Huh. Okay. There are also Pop-Tarts Crisps, which are like, like skinnier sticks, um, that I guess are crisp, crispier. Interesting. I don't okay. know. Um, right in. Uh, yeah, and at various times, you know, they've done uh, tie-ins with other brands like um, Disney. They did a, a Disney Princess Jewelberry. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, they did a tie-in with the U.S. Olympic team, um, <laughs> which was also a mixed berry flavor, and it came in gold-colored foil packets. Um, and then Hello Kitty Meowberry. Uh, oh. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of why course. not? Yeah, and they sometimes I remember when they used to do those like fancy uh, drawings on them. Oh, sure. Yeah, I think maybe the gingerbread ones have like a little like printed gingerbread man. Yeah. On uh-huh. on them, um, and they also come with instructions for making a little gingerbread pop tart house. Oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> you can also make similarly shaped hand pies at home if if you if that's a thing that you want to do um but if you sold them and called them pop tarts then kellogg's would probably come after you yes and we wipe our hands of it yeah (laughs) we warned you here (laughs) 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 well what about the nutrition Okay, a Pop-Tart is a calorically dense food, a um, lot of sugar, like like at about half of your daily recommended intake of added sugars. Um, uh, got, got, got some fats in there, too. Not much in the way of protein. Has a few minerals that they add in. That's nice. Um, definitely a treat because of the sugar. And treats are nice. Treats are nice. If you like Pop-Tarts, eat Pop-Tarts, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say... Uh, research into one of the preservatives that's commonly used in processed foods, including most Pop-Tarts, um, uh, called tert-butyl-hydroquinone. I didn't look that up. I, <laughs> it's, you can, you can also call it TBHQ because that's a lot easier to call something. Um, yeah, but yeah, um, it, it might dampen your immune system. Um, that's probably not great. Um, and this is one of the many reasons that nutritionists will generally uh, recommend choosing fresh or frozen products over shelf-stable processed products whenever you can. Uh, but, you know, I I doubt you need to worry about it too deeply in, unless you are eating a number of Pop-Tarts that is worrisome on its own level. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Well, speaking <laughs> of, we do have some numbers for you. Goodness, we do. And some of them are quite astounding. Yeah. Uh, sales of Pop-Tarts reached $800 million in 2013. Okay. Um, according to some sources, Kellogg's sells more than $2 billion, billion wow. Pop-Tarts each year. And this is pretty amazing since they're primarily distributed in the U.S., like 
mostly in the U.S., yeah. Uh, but they are also in Canada, the U.K., and Ireland. And at one point, Australia, New Zealand, though, I read that they were discontinued there and then maybe were, like, recontinued there. Hmm. Uh, again, listeners write in. Yeah. I, I read in 2005 they stopped being available there. But Oh, wow, yeah. And especially, oh, my goodness, if they have other flavors than the ones yes. that I've just outlined, like, like oh, let me know. Is oh, my there, gosh. Is there a Vegemite Pop-Tart? Ooh. I can only hope. <laughs> there is a very popularly circulated number um, that as of 2014, sales of Pop-Tarts had gone up every 32 years, which was like unheard of. Every every uh, year for 32, 32 years. 32 years. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Uh, which is, it's very, very impressive, but uh, surprising to me. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, right, because like 2014 was was kind of after a lot of uh, uh, mm -hmm. sales of similar products had been kind of slagging, um, exactly. slagging, slacking, going down. There you go. Um, <laughs> world record, uh, world record time. Um, the record for the largest box of Pop Tarts was set in spring of 2021. Uh, Kellogg's and 7-Eleven teamed up to create like a like a large refrigerator sized box. Um, and then filled it with 1,331 pounds of Pop-Tarts. Pounds? Yeah. Ooh. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the the Pop-Tarts in question were then donated to the North Texas Food Bank. Okay. There you go. Wow. Um, I found this interesting. This wasn't a super uh, scientific study, study <laughs> or survey, but it found that half of Pop-Tart consumers don't toast them. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. And according to Country Living, <coughs> Walmart sees a dramatic increase of the sale of strawberry Pop-Tarts specifically during hurricanes, um, like alongside things like bread, water, and batteries. Since these Pop-Tarts um, are pretty shelf-stable and don't require heating. I just thought that was really interesting. Huh. Yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Well, the history <laughs> is quite interesting, too. <laughs> it is. It is. And we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. 
for the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. back thank you sponsor yes thank you so yes uh the tradition of handheld pies is thousands of years old which yes you can argue about pop tarts and whether they qualify (laughs) but i would say they are in that vein somewhat (laughs) yeah yeah like like i said like like they're they're doing their best they're so enthusiastic they are doing their best and uh Honestly, the origin story is fascinating. It's really, really interesting. Uh, Okay, so Post Cereals invented what would go on to inspire the Pop-Tart in the 1960s. But there were several steps along the way. Um, And and this was, like, kind of key, I guess, Uh, you know, during the 50s and 60s was when all those kind of science-y foods were coming out. Um, And Pop-Tarts was very much, very much in that group that category. And yeah, speaking of one of the biggest steps they had to figure out to make pop tarts was how to keep the fruit filling from spoiling. Sure. Mhm. So the post research and development department figured out a way to adapt the same technology they used in things like dog foods to <laughs> dog food packaging, I should say, uh-huh. um, to inhibit bacteria growth and prevent spoilage. So they would wrap the food in this foil and it would keep it very fresh. Um, the wrapped pastries could be easily shipped and didn't need to be refrigerated. Also very important during this time. Um, okay, so Post announced their toaster-prepared breakfast pastry in 1963 or 1964. They called them country squares. Okay. Okay. Um, and they were intended to be a complement to cereal, which I find fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to your point earlier. Uh, um, Ah, jeez. But they jumped the gun a little bit because their product wasn't quite ready for launch when they announced it. And their competitor, Kellogg's, heard this announcement and got to work creating their own version. Right? They created their own version within six months, the story goes. Um, They developed their own similar product and rushed to get it out before Post got theirs out. 
At first, Kellogg's product was called fruit scones, but they were soon renamed Pop-Tarts, which was a reference to Andy Warhol's popular pop art movement at the time. Yeah, yeah, the the pop art movement in which uh, Warhol was a major player, uh, along with other artists like uh, like Roy Lichtenstein. Um, uh, MoMA, the the Museum of Modern Art, had just held uh, in like 1962 a symposium on the genre. It was like a really big cultural phenomenon at the time, and so so the phrase pop art would have been really front of mind for a lot of Americans right right in that moment. And I cannot believe that I never heckin' put that pun together. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> oh, it's so fun. Um, um, also, I believe that my previous note was uh, was off. Uh, I was about to say camera. We're not on camera. When, where, I mean, I guess we're talking <laughs> to each other via camera. But um, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Annie's note about the cereal. Um, before we were recording, I was talking about how it always cracks me up watching commercials for products like Pop-Tarts because, like, it'll be a whole heckin' full breakfast with, like, yeah. a couple Pop-Tarts smack in the center of it. Like, like as though you were going to eat, like, a bowl of cereal, a glass of milk, a glass of orange juice, and two Pop-Tarts. And, like, that yep. is going to be what you're up to. Yeah. Daily. <laughs> That's what gets me. That's like a special breakfast, maybe. But the implication is <laughs> they're like, no, this daily. is this is what a balanced breakfast is. Right. This is how Pop Tarts are part of a balanced breakfast. So this is normal. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Me too. <laughs> All right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We we often do this, Lauren. We always have these conversations right before that we should really just include in the podcast. Yeah. It's just the nature of how we record. It is. Um, it is. But anyway, yes. Uh, so the first flavors of Pop-Tarts were blueberry, strawberry, apple currant, and brown sugar cinnamon. And they were meant to be cut diagonally along the dotted lines. Oh, okay. Um, huh. Yeah. And they were pretty much an immediate hit to the point consumers wiped them out. Uh, It was sold out within two weeks after its first shipment. And they were first introduced in test markets in Ohio, specifically Cleveland. But after this, like, great reception, they went national in 1965. Um, I do love the Pop-Tart official website uh, is very uh, snarky in a way that's fun. Um, and they make fun of Apple Current as like no one knew what it was, so we changed the name. It's just, it's just a fun little <laughs> company website. <laughs> uh, and speaking of, it's very very interesting to me that this official website Kellogg's timeline of Pop Tarts on it claims that the company's chairman tasked some employees with creating a breakfast pastry riff on jam and toast in 1963. So that doesn't really. It doesn't quite match up is what I'm saying. Yeah. It sort of mm. takes that like like mercenary Pop Tart development right. <laughs> versus post. Um mm-hmm. huh. yes, which is another interesting thing. You can read a lot of interviews with a man named Bill Post, who is not related to the Post company. Very uh-huh. confusing, uh-huh. by the way. Um, <laughs> and he was at the heart of coming up with the process of making these Pop Tarts, these pastries. According to him, Kellogg contacted him in 1964, so again, the dates are a little messy, asking to see some of the equipment that Post used as the plant manager at Keebler, like 
the Keebler elves. Okay, sure. um, Because they wanted to design a product for the toaster, but couldn't quite figure it out. So, so he gets this question from Kellogg and post mind, his mind starts worrying like, Oh, I got to figure this out. Hmm. And basically he, he arrived at stacking two sheeters on top of each other. And a sheeter is like this device, each one weighing about 60 tons that you use to make kind of like dough in a, in a line. Um, and it allowed for stacking them on top of each other, allowed for two dough sheets to come out with filling inserted in between them. Um, and yeah, as with many of these stories that we tell about these products, he allegedly tested Pop-Tarts out on his kids. Oh. <laughs> it's like, hey, is this any good? You're our target audience. And like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> add some frosting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. He also said, Post also said that the reason that there are two Pop-Tarts in a package is purely economic. Um, because if you put two in a package, especially in the early days when they weren't quite sure how long the shelf life was going to be, uh, it cut the cost in half because of the cost of the foil. So like, oh, sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, and also, it's worth noting, Pop-Tarts really revolutionized how people viewed toasters, which had previously been pretty much a single-use item for toasting bread. Um, that was it. People were big fans of the idea that breakfast could be ready in 30 seconds just by popping these tarts in the toaster. I mean, Pop-Tarts works on multiple levels. I don't know if they planned that. Oh, um, it's it's kind of brilliant. It really is. It really is. But yeah, after that, other companies were like, what else can we put in the toaster? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Because Kellogg's rushed Pop-Tarts out, they were still refining the product in the early days. They hadn't had time to test if frosting could withstand the toaster. Uh, So that's why at first they were unfrosted. However, uh, when testing proved that frosting could stand up to toasters, which was something else Post was integral in. He he seems like somebody who was just never deterred by, like, that'll never work. He was like, watch me. (laughs) (laughs) Watch me and my kids who want frosting on their Pop-Tarts. Frosted Pop-Tarts debuted in 1967. Sprinkles were added into the equation Mm -hmm. in 1968. And by 1973, the product came in 19 flavors. Huh. 19 flavors. That's that's another thing we were talking about before we started recording. Like, like the Pop-Tart humans play fast and loose. With, they with flavors. Really They're, <laughs> yes. They are not afraid of innovation. <laughs> they just nope. go for it. Yep. Enthusiastic. It, it's very, very interesting. We're going to talk about that more later. But it, it's interesting to me that they will introduce a flavor or a product idea. And within months, we'll be like, eh. Yeah. All right. Didn't work. Okay. N- enough of that one. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Yep. And then there's a group of people who love it and, like, campaign to get it back. Yeah. It's just, oh, my gosh. Um. Okay. As more women entered the U.S. workforce in the 1980s and 1990s, sales of Pop-Tarts jumped. And this is really interesting because we've talked about that time period before. It's an interesting intersection of people were really wanting healthier items, but also convenience was so Mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. Um, And and Pop-Tarts was able to ride this kind of healthy train for a while, which is something else we're going to talk about. Uh, Over the years... 
Yeah, Pop-Tarts have been the source of several lawsuits, <laughs> some of which, yeah, we're going to briefly cover. One of the first took place in 1992 when a man sued Kellogg's after a Pop-Tart got stuck in his toaster and caught fire. Oh. Um, yes, the case caught national attention when a humor columnist wrote about a Pop-Tart catching fire in his own toaster this was such a story at the time. <laughs> Texas A&M University professor Joseph Delgado did a somewhat playful experiment in 1994 that found that strawberry Pop-Tarts could produce flames over a foot high when left in the toaster too long. Um, you can find the you can find the study. It's complete with pictures. It's actually it is really fun. <laughs> yeah. um, it wasn't so fun for Kellogg's, though, because it resulted <laughs> in a wave of lawsuits and prompted Kellogg's to add this warning to the product. Due to possible risk of fire, never leave your toasting appliance or microwave unattended. And this whole thing was sort of mocked in comedian Brian Reagan's bit, Pop-Tart shouldn't have instructions, or he just reads the instructions <laughs> of Pop-Tarts to comedic effect. <laughs> oh. Um, okay, so yes, Kellogg's has tried a lot when it comes to Pop-Tart flavors and different iterations of their products. Many that did end up discontinued. Limited flavor offerings got going in the 1990s. Pop-Tart Crunch cereal was introduced in 1994, which it looks like Wheaties, but Pop-Tarts. <laughs> um, okay, all right, sure. Yeah, Go-Tarts. I remember Go-Tarts, which was a thicker narrower products were introduced in 2006 but were discontinued in 2008. They've also tried all kinds of things when it comes to advertising, uh, including a Pop-Tart pop-up in Times Square. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Had Pop-Tart sushi. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Um, and, and there, I found cool. a whole essay about the history of their marketing, and it was really fascinating. So if that's something you're into, hmm. uh, I recommend looking it up because hmm. they got some interesting... There was a lawsuit around that as well. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. The 90s is also when Pop-Tarts started to go international, first in the UK, where they were fairly successful, but nowhere near like the US market. Again, listeners, please write in. Mm -hmm. Uh, the U.S. military dropped 2.4 million Pop-Tarts over Afghanistan in 2001. This was not part of the weapons program. Um, this, this was part of a program to deliver rations amidst the supply chain cutoffs that the U.S. had instigated as part of its war effort. Um, so uh, the rations did also include things like rice and beans, uh, peanut butter and jelly, and they, they termed the Pop-Tarts an icebreaker. That's a direct quote um, to introduce the Afghan people to American food. And that is the most embarrassing sentence I think I've ever said out loud. Yeah. Mm hmm. <laughs> and we've said many embarrassing sentences. <laughs> oh, basically, all of them. <laughs> mm -hmm. um. <laughs> yeah. So that happened. That did happen. Uh, and then more lawsuits. Beginning in the early 2000s, <laughs> Pop-Tarts became the target of health groups, especially around children's health, for what they claimed were misleading advertising around nutrition and fruit content. The Children's Advertising Review Unit, or CARU, of the Council of Better Business Bureaus called for the removal of the phrase, made with real fruit, 
from Pop-Tart packaging and advertising. Kellogg's agreed to do so and modified their ads and packaging. Um, But this is still ongoing. In 2021, Kellogg's faced a $5 million lawsuit about how their Pop-Tarts didn't contain enough strawberries. Um, There was a similar lawsuit that same year about their fudge line of Pop-Tarts. Basically, it wasn't fudge, so they can't use the name fudge. Yeah. Uh, which is which is I, I'm positive, which is why the Ego co-branded Pop Tarts are called maple flavored, not, ah. not maple. Yeah, yeah. But right now, the uh, the strawberry Pop Tarts, this this class action lawsuit claims, um, shouldn't be called or are, are misrepresenting the amount of strawberry mm. involved in the Pop Tarts because there's also a significant amount of dried apple and dried pear in addition to the dried strawberry. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, well, I guess we'll check in on that one day. Um, <laughs> in April 2011, the original Neon Cat, uh, which is, you know, that cat with a Pop-Tart for a body that leaves a rainbow trail yeah. as it sort of floats <laughs> through space. Yeah, Neon Cat. Uh, yeah, was first introduced. I always think of Andrew. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Uh, And the video has over 100 million views, and I couldn't find any information about this, but it is one of the icons on Google Docs. Uh, Oh, sure. I don't know when that happened, but it is a thing that did happen. I... I I am... I can't can't argue with Cat. I'm just like, yeah, that's delightful. (laughs) Well, not so delightful is this fact. (laughs) In 2017... The disgusting Pop-Tart sandwich meme took off. Okay. I'd never heard of this, but, you know, I said it wasn't delightful, but it actually was very funny. Um, (laughs) But basically what happened was this college student in Iowa posted a picture of a Pop-Tart with a slice of American cheese on it with a caption that read, You ain't from Iowa if you've never had one of these. Uh, And he was widely mocked, uh, including by the police, Iowa police. And it started this meme of you ain't from X if you never had one of these with Pop-Tarts. And basically trying to make the grossest Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, And the official Pop-Tarts Twitter account got involved tweeting, (laughs) where is the respect these days? And they responded a lot. Like, you can read a whole thread about it. It is quite funny, honestly. (laughs) That's great. That's great. I, you know, I was curious when you, I didn't, I didn't look into this one myself. So I was curious when you wrote the note, I was like, police the band? Like, did the band police get a, the Iowa police? Okay. They might have. (laughs) People were into it. (laughs) People had opinions, (laughs) thoughts. This is a whole thing. Somehow bypassed me, but. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Pop-Tarts are really, really iconic in. American culture. And these are just a few examples that I thought of. In the 2003 film Elf, Buddy the Elf uses Pop-Tarts as a topping for spaghetti, uh, a song about how Pop-Tarts with butter on them, uh, how how amazing that combination is, was in a 2014 episode of Family Guy. That is also in their Frequently Asked Questions section of their website. Not the Family Guy reference specifically, but they're like, can you put butter on a Pop-Tart? And they're like, mm. yes. Um, yeah. Uh, just just another example. When, <laughs> when the iPhone 6 line came out in 2014, 
someone put together like a size chart of the of the the most newly available uh, iPads and iPhones, and it included in the lineup a pop tart for visual reference. Like like this is the standard that everyone will understand. Right. We all know the size. We of all know the size of a pop tart. So here's a really good visual guide. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this brings us to our Jerry Seinfeld fact <laughs> that I alluded to. <laughs> okay. Uh, he's a huge fan of Pop-Tarts. Okay. He has this whole joke about Pop-Tarts. Um, and in fact, you can see a making of the joke feature on New York Times, <laughs> New York Times YouTube about it, where he just talks about how he wrote this joke. And it's actually really interesting. Oh. Um, but I mean, I, the premise is basically... Growing up in the 60s as a kid, when the Pop-Tart arrived on the scene, it was like a new science thing had been invented. It was the best thing ever. Stop trying, scientist. You're done. Um, <laughs> like, like that's, oh. that's enough science. You can all go home now. Yeah, Right, exactly. This is the best thing you've ever done. Stop it. In fact, one of the lines in there is, don't you see? It's over. Um, <laughs> they can't go stale because they were never fresh. <laughs> <laughs> it's very very silly it's very very silly but uh in early 2022 seinfeld announced he was working on an entire movie about pop tarts the origin of pop tarts called unfrosted for netflix and it has quite a budget huh. so we wow. shall see <laughs> yes. that is fascinating okay i'm telling you when people love a product that that brand loyalty mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah oh my gosh and final note related <laughs> uh-huh. i wasn't even going to mention this but i could not after i read more about it um in may of 2022 pop tarts re-released a fan favorite flavor from the early 2000s frosted grape okay um and all of the marketing was y2k themed oh no the campaign was called Y2 Grape. Oh, no. And involved a sweepstakes to win a Y2K time capsule. <laughs> Winners not only received a year's supply, a year's supply of frosted grape Pop-Tarts, but a, quote, $75 Steve Madden gift card <laughs> to purchase the perfect purple jelly sandals, a purple Y2K purse, one $10 Manic Panic gift card, some purple grape lip gloss, a pack of metallic gel roll pins, one pack of Y2K butterfly hair clips, and a purple hat. Look, too many memories were awakened yeah. by that list that I had to include it. I I don't think I've ever felt as tired from reading a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my arthritis. Oh, heck. <laughs> I still got my gel pins and my butterfly clips. Oh, my gosh. I, at the same time, I cannot deny that that Y2K Lauren would have been psyched to, <laughs> to win that prize package. So, so good it on was, them. Good on them. Yeah. It was well... You can tell somebody from the era was on the uh, board of deciding what should be in this prize pack. For sure. <laughs> I, it was it was strange to feel so seen by what is just a 
The company sweepstakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll wrestle with that later. <laughs> Again, right? Like, it's so it's so weird. I'm like, yeah, no, capitalism is really doing its job because I, I, found, I found this heartwarming. Like, I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Like, that's like, they really... Really got their finger on it there. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the people who won, they had to post their best, like, grape looks. Oh, jeez. I mean, that's what... There's a part of me that wants to look more into that and a part of me that desperately doesn't. But... <laughs> huh. Um... <laughs> anyway, I there are so many of these kinds of stories with this company, this brand... That we could have included and didn't. Like, they are filled throughout their history with this kind of stuff. <laughs> it's brilliant. I mean, I mean, there's 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 a reason other than, like, it's it's sweet. It, it, it's got sugar and fat and it's it's kind of crumbly, crunchy. Uh, and it's, you know, so, so so it's tasty. Like, like humans enjoy eating that kind of thing. But there are clearly reasons. Like, that alone it does not make an iconic <laughs> brand. And mm -hmm. so, and this one is so iconic. And, oh, it's really fascinating to me. I also, um, I kind of failed to get together the science of how they make Pop-Tarts so um, shelf-stable. Uh, mm -hmm. But, um, and I kind of, like, it's one of those things that sometimes you're like, oh, there's really nothing out there. Is there really nothing out there or am I using the wrong keywords um, uh, to, to try to search? And so, I mean, you know, I am not a professional food scientist. This is not stuff that I just know off the top of my head. So, like, maybe if I can, if I can, like, dig into the patents and figure mm. out which ones actually, like, are applicable to the Pop-Tarts brand, then I'll update y'all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please. What a wacky job we have. Yeah. Yeah. So so far, I've found a couple that I think are for the Pop-Tarts brand um, mm -hmm. that involve uh, uh, low moisture coatings to, to keep to keep the moisture contained. And also there's a lot of talk about slurries oh. as it relates to the filling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's fascinating. Love a good oh love gosh. a good slurry. Love a good slurry. Yes. And we have listeners who are very science minded, have some experience training. Oh yeah. So if you Oh man. If you have the secrets of the pop tops. Yeah. I mean don't don't like break an NDA on our on no. our behalf, but <laughs> No, that's all right. <laughs> but <laughs> if you can give us like a wink wink look in this direction. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um Hmm. Well, I think that's what we have to say about Pop-Tarts for now. It is. Uh, we do have some listener mail for you, though, and we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. 
This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with <laughs> like a pop tart, yeah, and a toaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh dear. Okay. Okay. So this first listener mail I adore because we love hearing from multiple people from a family or, or from a friend group or whatever. Uh, writing in about about the same things or, or what what have you? It's just such a delight to hear like, oh, yeah, my mom wrote in about this. Let me clarify or let me add on this. <laughs> it's wonderful. It is. It genuinely is so good. Yes. So we have one of those letters to start. Uh, Becky wrote, my husband and mother-in-law recently wrote in about Dill, and after hearing you ask for animal photos, I knew it was my time to shine. I am Becky, wife of Andrew, daughter-in-law of Melissa, and eater of peanut butter and pickle sandwiches and Dill Ranch oyster crackers. (laughs) Dogs are a huge part of our lives. We have three of our own and have fostered ten, one of the many perks of working from home the last couple of years. While we haven't been overly creative with costumes, one of our dogs, Luna, is a literal angel. So we got her an angel costume for Halloween this year. We're not picking favorites, but man, is it nice to have one that listens to us. (laughs) Since she is so well behaved, she gets to go with us most places. Attaches a picture of her at an Easter egg hunt for dogs, at a beer event, ales for adoptable tales, 
at one of our favorite local breweries, the same one with the dill slash sea salt slash sunflower seed beer that Andrew previously wrote in about, one in my hospital bed, and when she got her Hogwarts letter. (laughs) She is a Pitbull Australian Shepherd Chow Chow mix. Our 13-year-old grumpy Jack Russell mix, Jace, is pictured in his (laughs) devil costume. (laughs) While he is not as much of a devil as Luna is an angel, he sure has his moments, including the time he jumped up on the kitchen table and helped himself to a dish of green beans, (laughs) and the times he unwrapped gifts under the tree so he could eat them. (laughs) And yes, that was meant to be plural, because I clearly did not learn my lesson the first time, did not think a wrapped candle would trigger him. I have also included a picture of him on the kitchen table, separate from the green beans event, and one of him in his Slytherin shirt. (laughs) Our most recent addition is Izzy. She is a foster fail and is a lab pointer mix. Attached is a picture from March of 2021 where she is wearing her adorable St. Patrick's Day hat and a couple of pictures of her playing with some of her favorite toys. Even though she is almost two now, we still refer to her as our puppy. She is one of the funniest and weirdest dogs I have ever known. I could talk about these pups for hours, but I won't subject you to that. You're lucky I only <laughs> sent you 13 photos because my phone has hundreds. But thank you for being a shining light in this sometimes dark world. I love listening to your podcast. <laughs> and again, listeners, I'm so sorry. The pictures are so cute. Yeah, They're so cute. And Becky did give permission to post. Um, Ooh, so okay. maybe we'll right. see. But that's. That's adorable. It looks like you all have so much fun. These are great stories. Yeah. So cute. Yeah. And oh, oh, I'm so glad. It, it's, I, it is genuinely heartwarming to hear about people fostering pups. That is, that mm-hmm. is always, always so good. So good. It is. It is. And, it, and once again, just hearing from multiple members of a family <laughs> yes. is delightful. <laughs> Oh, so wonderful. Um, Okay. Uh, uh, Marnie wrote, OMG, I'm listening right now and had to send this. My grandparents and dad grew up in Eastern Europe, what's now Bosnia. Uh, However, they are ethnically German living in that area for hundreds of years. Anywho, my grandmother always made two hazelnut things. Uh, One was a cake with like seven layers. It used hazelnuts instead of flour and had jam layers and hazelnut buttercream to die for. Um, Then she also made a cookie called um, a Liebesbrief, uh, German for love letters. Um, they, these have a flaky dough that's rolled into this small circle. And then inside is a hazelnut meringue that you plop in the middle, uh, and then fold in the sides like an envelope. My sister followed my grandmother around before she passed to measure behind her. And now she makes these cookies as a gift for our almost 80 year old father. The memories I have now are so special. So thank you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. And those do sound absolutely delicious. (laughs) Yeah, right. Oh goodness. Um, one of the one of the things that I make that my dad made, not that I think it was like a traditional family thing, but because he, you know, trained um in in cooking and pastry, uh, was a Linzer tort, um, which is an almond flour uh thing with with raspberry filling. Um, that sounds like like categorically related <laughs> at mm-hmm. any rate to that to, to that first one. Um oh, but that those sound those both sound delicious. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. And so many of you have written in about hazelnuts, so that's that's very exciting. Yes. 
because we were like, tell us more about hazelnut desserts. And you all answered. So thank you, as always. And thanks to these two listeners for writing into us. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you would like to write into us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. And we are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it. When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five-star experiences to local favorites. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from The Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.